0: from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com.
1: Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. It's good to be with you. We are looking at some of the events in the final week of Jesus Christ. This is Thursday, and so we're looking at Jesus with his disciples in the upper room. And so we'll start with Luke 22, Jesus celebrating the the Passover with his disciples.
2: Yeah, picking up at verse 7 from the Christian Standard Bible. Then the day of unleavened bread came when the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. Listen, he said to them. When you've entered the city, a man carrying a water jug will meet you. Follow him into the house he enters. Tell the owner of the house, the teacher asks you, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished room upstairs. Make the preparations there. So they went and found it just as he has told them, and they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. Then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them, and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But look, the hand of the one betraying me is at the table with me. For the Son of Man will go away as it has been determined. And woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. So they began to argue among themselves which of them it could be who was going to do it.
1: So here we have Jesus celebrating the Passover with his disciples and at the same time instituting what we now call the Lord's Supper or Communion. Um, why is this event so significant jesus will say that he earnestly desired to to eat this meal with his disciples so what what's underneath and behind this event that gives it such significance and importance for not only the time period but for us today in the church
2: Yeah, what we have is the background is the Passover meal. So it's the Exodus story. It's God redeeming his people out of slavery from Pharaoh and the nation of Egypt and bringing them into the promised land. In that specific event that they're going to tell the story of is the night with the, in which the judgment of God moved through the land of Egypt, uh, killing all of the firstborn, save those uh, who had the lamb's blood over the doorpost. Uh, and so as Jesus, is, the stories in the background as they celebrate Passover meal, it's foreshadowing the work that Jesus is about to accomplish.
0: And it's, I think it's also important to understand that this judgment that went through the land of Egypt would have fallen on those in israel as well yep. if they weren't covered by the blood of the lamb yep. so when god's wrath comes it comes uh, on all who are not covered by the blood of the lamb and then of course you know scripture uh, all the way through has been uh, you know the that that theme of a, the of the lamb is there and in, in uh, john in john's gospel when jesus is uh, first identified He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, and uh, this is a fact when you read this uh, event uh, at Passover, you you don't even read about a lamb because Jesus is the lamb in that upper room.
3: Yeah, the Exodus event is uh, something that we call a type, and if you don't know what that that word means when we use that language, it's a type is uh, an event or a person that points to either Know, a greater spiritual reality, or to Christ himself. You know Moses being a type of the prophet that would come, Jesus, and David being a type of the king that would come, that is, Christ. And and the exodus itself is is a type of the greater salvation that we have in Christ. And uh, as that Passover meal was celebrated year after year, and the people of God were reminded of that great deliverance and the great salvation, Jesus has purposefully taking that passover and then he is connecting it to what we call the lord's supper and uh, we see him here in this passage instituting what we celebrate as communion or the lord's supper where we whenever we partake of it he doesn't give a set timetable of how often we partake of it but whenever we do where he says elsewhere we're we're proclaiming his death until he comes We're, we're looking back and we're remembering this greater deliverance that was given through christ and i think that plays into you know, Jesus eagerly looking forward to this particular supper as he's finally reached the point in his earthly ministry where the price is going to be paid.
0: Yeah, he's he's eagerly looking forward to this because, you know, we read in the Bible that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and in one sense, he's, he's the willing sacrifice here that uh, – and he actually is desiring to complete this. Mm-hmm. So sometimes
1: we talk about the Passover Lord's Supper and we say that the Lord's Supper replaced the Passover. Sometimes that terminology, that language can give the impression that they're identical, but there are some differences mm-hmm. in the Lord's Supper as compared to to the Passover.
3: What are some of those differences? What why does it actually matter? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a it's a much more simplified supper. I mean, if you look back in Exodus when the Passover was instituted, it's it's much more elaborate, complicated one we we don't have a, a physical lamb that sacrificed but who that lamb pointed to it is the lamb of god jesus christ himself we don't have blood that we spread on our doorposts but we have the shed blood of christ uh, that is given to us which and, can be only offered once right right and then the, the bread that he talks about uh representing his body that is the sacrifice for us and uh but I think also it's important to remember that when we proclaim his death, that we're proclaiming everything around that as well. It is his life, but also his victory over death.
1: I also think it's important that this institution, or instituting of the Lord's Supper, doesn't come without further instruction by Paul. And so I was just in a conversation in the last week of saying, of course kids can come to, to the table, the Lord's table, because kids were part of the Passover meal. And that assumes that there isn't any further instruction given on this matter where Paul clearly says that you have to be able to discern the body.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm sorry, I think my kids were pretty sharp, but they couldn't discern the body when they were one or two or three or probably four or five. I mean, we'll have to figure out the age, but I think we can safely say that this wasn't happening when they were a baby. Mm Mm-hmm. And so we can't pretend like it's a one-for-one one without further instruction given. Right,
0: and pass. Yeah, the Passover meal oftentimes then was celebrated within a family or a house or with your neighbor, and this. But God, the institution actually was of the Lord's Supper was meant to be recognized by the church.
1: A family meal of a different family, yeah. your church right. family. A church There's family. a corporate sense to it where that was not the case in the Old Testament with the Passover. You celebrated the Passover as an individual family. Yeah. Each Units. one would bring a lamb That's into crap. their own
0: home. Mm-hmm.
1: We're going to shift gears and turn to John 13. Um, so if somebody would read 1 through 20, this is John's account, which is slightly different than the account that we would get in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, not because he is telling a different story, he's just telling a story differently. So okay.
0: math, or John 13. John 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, uh, Simon's son, to betray him... Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all all things into his hand, that he had come from the Father and was going back to the Father, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, For he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate bread has lifted his heel against me, I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. So in our final couple minutes here, what
1: are the, the big takeaways um, for our listener for John 13? What's happening here? What What is the significance of what Jesus is doing in the washing of his disciples' feet.
3: Well, he's showing the, uh, the way in which, in one sense, that we in this new household of faith are to look at one another. The act of washing feet was, you know, at this time was reserved for one of the, the lower servants of the household. And here we have Jesus, who is master and teacher and Lord, washing the feet of his disciples. That's why Peter is so adamant that Jesus is not going to wash his feet because mm-hmm. uh, uh, jesus is not below him like he, he should be washing jesus's feet mm-hmm. but um, what jesus is is showing a couple things one he, he says if i do not wash you you have no part with me i mean that that has a greater reality than just simple feet mm-hmm. like if we are not washed by jesus if we are not cleansed by his blood we have no part or share with him but then he also as i said earlier gives this pattern of looking on one another with humility, not thinking of ourselves higher than another. But as Jesus gave the example of one, uh, he, he came to serve, not to be served. We too in this household, even those who want to be leaders, we are called first and foremost to serve.
1: I think this is a washing part. There is some spiritual significance to it. Right. Peter is is has been washed by Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. but he's still in the world, and so he'll still get some filth of the world on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so we don't need to have this we don't have to give our lives to Jesus Christ twenty-two times because we have been washed. Um, we need ongoing cleansing, mm-hmm. um, but we don't need ongoing justification. We have been justified, and now we just need ongoing repentance and cleansing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the mercy of Christ is on the at the foreground of this. Uh, Judas is included in those whose feet are washed, mm-hmm. and so the you know could we wash the feet of our betrayer is a question I've contemplated and thought about. Jesus demonstrates that grace and mercy here.
1: Shows us the humble heart of our Savior. Mm -hmm. Well, you've been listening to The Gospel of Life, and we will tomorrow look at his death and what that means for our ongoing day-to-day life. We'll see you then.